Hey guys, have you checked out 336 Daily? Did you know that sometimes, in fact, pretty often, I've been recording it in my car while driving to different job sites? That's how easy Anchor is to make podcasts. With Anchor, you can record your podcast and edit your podcast and upload your podcast all in the Anchor app, and then it makes sure it goes after iTunes and Spotify and wherever you need to put it. It, they take care of everything, distribution. They help you with advertising and getting in commercials. Check out the Anchor app. Go to the App Store and download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to check it out. Hey, this is Kevin Gosman. You're listening to Section 336, Baltimore's Best Sports Talk. Hey, this is Jay Gibbons. You're listening to Section 336, Baltimore's Best Sports Talk. Are you crying? Are you crying? Are you crying? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Baltimore sports fans of all ages, welcome to section 336, Next Generation in Baltimore Sports Talk. I am your endearing sitting host, Matt Sroka, and as always, I'm joined by a guy who I can't believe has his, his own podcast, Josh Sroka. Yeah, did you see, did I, uh, did I share that, that uh, stat on, uh, or what was that? That was a tweet, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, I also, this has been a fun week. In the past week, not only did I get some attacks on Twitter, uh, there was also a comment on, not on iTunes, but on one of the other random podcast reviews about film study where they called me an idiot. Uh, so, yeah, this is, but I feel like, Josh, this means you made it because you got your first little troll. Who little was, hater? Yeah, who was clearly going out there to troll at you to try to get a response from you. Um, I also, not sure this guy's aware, like he, he said, I can't believe that you have a podcast. You realize anyone can have a podcast. It's not like we uh, right. majored in podcasting and, right. and now we're getting paid big bucks to have a podcast. I feel, right. I feel like I should have responded, I can't believe you listen. 
<laughs> I know. You're not like, and, you, and follow me and, and comment on my tweets. Right. Sorry, the, so the, the joke's watch. on you, the listener. Yeah. Uh, but he was he was a Lamar lover, and, and they're, the Lamar disciples are out there in full force. You yeah. Gotta, you got to watch out for them. How are we going to do this tonight? Because there's, there's big news with the Orioles. There's big news with uh, the Ravens. And last week was weird because last week we laid out, all right, here's the options. The Orioles got to pick one. And then we laid out, here's the decision the Ravens have to make. They got to pick one. Yeah. And, and we, we got answers to both of those in the same week. Well, well, let's be real. There's, there's, there's significant, uh, okay, big news with the Ravens. And with the Orioles, there's gigantic news that according to the press conference could shape the very franchise for the next 20 years. So um, yeah. uh, the Elias is the big news. Now, now the, the, the uh, new quarterback for the Ravens is, is big news, but not right. right. We'll, get, we'll get to the Lamar. Right, because according to Elias, what, hold on, is the big news that he's going to change the organization or that he can fix Chris Davis? Yeah. So he, so first of all, Josh, before we get to his press conference, and he did have that comment at the end there, um, which <laughs> he was, was doing so well was, too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, but, uh, but be, before we get there, what, what are your thoughts on uh, not his press conference, but just the Orioles going in the direction of Mike Elias? And, and what was your kind of initial reaction to the hiring of Mike Elias? I think we had this conversation last week. There were like five guys. We went through who we liked. And Mike Elias is the top out of all of them. I mean, yeah. he's the big guy. If you can get Michael Elias, if the rumors are true that he's going to bring over this the former NASA guy that was an employee at Houston that built their analytics department, that's yeah, which that's everyone like assumes, but I, I I don't know. I, I believe it wouldn't happen, but yeah, right, right. I mean, what we know is that guy has left Houston. Yeah, he's, he's, he's no longer with the Astros. He's a free yeah. agent, which I never think of front office guys as free agent, but yeah, he's a free agent. And we assume that he and Michael Elias got along well together. Yeah. But Elias talked like there's a lot of people out there. So even if we don't get that guy, there's other guys out there that, that he could scoop up. Right. And, and the difference is Elias has been in that world that we haven't been in. Yeah. So he has those connections we don't. He knows the up-and-comers. Yeah, it seems like I haven't heard anyone – the only disparaging remarks I've heard, a few people say – you know, whatever this team will never win as long as Angelos yes. are running the team, and that's a, um, that's but, a cheap that's a cheap argument. Doesn't yeah, make sense. well, and it's like it's just not true because we made the playoffs right. a bunch of times as as Angelos is the owner. So yeah, you're right. There is a lot. There's been a lot of hatred leading up to this, where it's like people forget that. Hold on, we did go to the playoffs. What three of the last six years? Yeah, and the Orioles did spend money. Like yep. there was, and even Elias mentioned there was a period like a four of the five year period when we were the winningest team in the American league, like all, all that happened. Well, he got that note from Duquette. Duquette will never let you forget that. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's something to be proud of, at least while we had that, had that run. So no, so that I, I mean, very quickly. if you are hating on this move, you're stupid. I, it's also, I think it's telling that the Orioles are now like making him the highest paid GM ever or something. Well, the high, the, for, for the first time being a GM, right? For like the first, for the first time GM. GM, yeah, yeah. Which which says so we haven't how heard they're taking it. We haven't heard the yeah, number. but we haven't, and we haven't heard out of my years either, have we? No, no. And even that question seemed like it was brought up at the press conference today, and they kind of just rolled past that. Yeah, yeah, um, I, yeah. But I think this this is uh, something that makes everybody happy from a certain standpoint. 
because he's not a super sabermetric nerd, which makes me happy. He's like a, he's like a, he's a, he's a smart guy, went to Yale, but he's also like worked his way up through, started out in St. Louis, working his way up, scouting on the road, traveling. But I read some articles about him and I guess even from Jump Street, like from the very first year he was scouting in St. Louis, he was doing things that veteran scouts like we're just starting to do, like he could already break down a player and present it to the board to, for, for drafting. Right. And so he's worked his way up as a scouting guy. Um, but then he also has with Houston, he's, he was with the most cutting edge organization in baseball. Um, and so clearly embraces all that sabermetric side of things, which certainly you want your management to do. Um, and so, but, but, but a guy who it feels like is gonna bring really smart people on around him yes. to handle that paper measure side of things. So he, he just checks all the boxes. If you're an old school guy, he's done the scouting. If you're a new school guy, you obviously love to hire. It just seems like a win-win all around. Right, right. It does. It is a good uh, a good move. And it, out, before we even get to Mike Elias, the Orioles, I, I kind of pushed during the season about how the front office seemed to be changing the way they're doing things. And we, we had all started with the whole kids go free uh initiative and then they were doing other things throughout the year where it seemed like I, uh, the, the sons were taking things over and doing things a little differently and I think we even saw that in this move where things were super quiet and uh, there was no news we were talking about last week but then they went out and got this guy they pay big money for him they give up complete control for him none of that is the Orioles way then even this press conference today I cannot remember ever seeing a press conference like this from the Orioles where they put the, put the owner representatives on stage with the GM and tell the reporters, just ask us anything. So that was big. And then even uh, they even took Mike and took him to Reddit after the press conference to answer the fans' questions with an AMA, which apparently means ask me anything. I'm not really down on the Reddit community. But I... I I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. So I went over there this evening. I missed it, of course, when it was live because I didn't understand what it was. But I went and checked it out. But it allowed fans to ask Mike questions and he would answer them. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's, and I'm sure he's all on board about that. It was like they asked Lou and John Angelos, like, is this a sign that you're going to be more involved or not more involved, but more out there mm-hmm. as far as press conference and chair? <laughs> like, then there was, and the, so they, Give the question to Lou, who is, I think, a little more socially awkward. And Lou just kind of, uh, <laughs> one of those, uh, and then and then John was like, so I guess that answers your question. So I don't think we're going to be seeing a lot of John and Lou Angelos. No, but, um, we don't, but we don't want to see a lot of them. We don't want them well, to have any control. We want them to hand it off. Well, we never saw them, and we never really saw Peter, even when he was pulling the strings. Right. So we just don't want them to be pulling the strings behind the scenes or in front of the scenes. Yep. Um, but I thought there was, uh, but this all, like, all of this is pointing towards Mike Elias having full control to do what he wants, which is great. There was even a moment in the press conference at the end when they asked about Chris Davis and they addressed the question to, to like DeAngelos's about the Chris Davis contract, uh, which actually right. kind of makes sense if you know the history of the Angelos contract, I mean, right. of the Chris Davis contract. But John Angelos immediately says, uh, that's a question for Mike. And so he immediately took the Chris Davis question and handed it over to Mike Elias. Which is what he should and, do. Yeah, yeah, which is what he should do. Or, that was an like, impressive move by John. Right, so the Angelos has already messed that up. So here, here's the guy who's 
going to have full control to f- fix that situation. Yeah, and, and Mike Elias already is falling into the classic mistake that t- man after man, Scott Kubal, Dan Duquette, Buck Showalter has fallen in before. He said, I can I fix them. Which, which, which is, this, no hold on, I think you can fix, I think you can fix Chris Davis. Because remember, the big problem, I'm all here, Josh. Remember, we had a big problem with Scott Kubal last year. Remember, Scott Kubal said, oh, if Davis needs help, he'll come to me. Right. Well, I think that Davis needs help, and. You um, think Michael Elias is going to wait for Chris Davis to call him? No, but there's another man who was not at the press conference tonight who now needs a job to do, and Michael Elias can say, hey, Brady, go deal with Chris Davis. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think, give first of all, I don't think Michael Elias trusts Brady to do that. Um, and, and steroids doesn't help you make contact. And secondly, um, I don't think Chris, I don't think Michael Elias is going to wait for Chris Davis to call him to ask him if he wants some help. I don't. Think I think so Michael Elias is going to have Chris Davis on the phone and saying, "Chris, here's I'm about to send you over a spreadsheet uh, with every single pitch right. that's been thrown to you in the history of your career, <laughs> right? And and throw a whole bunch here's, of stuff. Here's out. all the analytics we had as your opponent that you didn't have in house. Yeah. yeah, here's why we struck you out every single time. Right. right. Uh, I think that's an interesting uh, – and, and just a couple of thoughts on the press conference. First of all, I thought Michael Elias was very kind of gracious with talking about his predecessors. Mm-hmm. Uh, in talking about Dan Duquette, he gave credit to the prior, the prior management. He gave credit even for the trades um, that the Orioles made. Right. So he was, he was very much like praising the prior administration. Which, like, okay, fine, like, maybe you could say he has to, but I don't think he really has to. No, like, he, he clearly he, is coming at it from a different vantage point. He could have just said, what they did was wrong, we're starting fresh here, this is all new start, but he didn't say that. He said the prior administration did a good job, and we're going to build off that. So I was, thought that was a very kind of gracious response that he didn't need to do. Uh, yeah, you're right. He totally could have said, hey, I'm in here to fix this dumpster fire. We're going we're gonna to... Get rid of the, get rid of the fire, put it out, and now we're going to rebuild from the ground up. We'll rise from the ashes. Yeah, but he didn't say that. And the other thing I was really struck with is he was he spoke with, well, first of all, in that I don't know how long it was like forty five minute press conference. He was more articulate about even though he doesn't he knows no specifics, right? He doesn't know if Brady's staying or Brady's going. He doesn't know who else he's bringing in. He, like, he was right. just hired. And so I think it's unreasonable to have ask him about specific players and specific people. I don't think it's reasonable because he was just hired. It's not like he's been working for the Orioles for a month behind the scenes. Like he's just hired. He's just coming on board. But with 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 all that said, he kind of, I, I he just exudes this confidence, right? This confidence that he knows exactly what he's doing. He has a plan in place. He's going to implement his plan. Everyone's going to be on board, and this team will be good. Uh, will be good even even faster than we were all expecting. I thought he came across um, as extremely confident and kind of self-assured and kind of gave Oriole fans probably a false sense of confidence, but I think he gave Oriole fans uh, too kind of this sense of confidence, like, yeah, yeah, we actually can do this. We actually can do this. And so I thought right. the confidence was great. Yeah, and it was good and again you want that from a guy you don't want a guy who's going to come in and say well we'll see what happens we're in a pretty big mess uh i'll try but like, even if a guy comes in there josh and says because i'm going to push back on that because i know that's the opposite side but even if a guy just comes back comes in like dan duquette 
right, and says, you know, we're, we're going to try to reallocate our assets to, right. to put a winning ball club. Like, that doesn't really inspire confidence. You're right. The way he was talking about, like, there's one point when he said about the international market, like, they asked him about what's going to do with the international market. And he said, I just got to go in the back and pick up the phone. And I already got things Contest. working. Right. It's that, just a matter of picking up the phone. Right. Like, that, that to me inspires confidence. And that's when he talked about the international camps and how big of a difference just having guys over there running camps helps with scouting and, and developing and building relationships. Yeah. The other thing I noticed is, and I, really, I didn't really think about this, because I think about, okay, this is a guy who's going to bring in international free agents. This is a guy who knows how to draft. This is a guy who's going to bring in, uh, bring in talent based on kind of saber metrics. I didn't think about, until I was watching the press conference, how much he's going to improve the talent we already have. Now, I don't know what my expectations are for the talent you, that we already have. You mean, you mean like when they gave Zach Britton analytics in New York? Yeah, or, or like when every pitcher that no, ever he went goes downhill. to Houston, who they talk about spin rate, and every yes. pitcher goes to Houston, all of a sudden they're striking out five more guys every nine, nine innings, right? With Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, all those guys, their careers, they're already good pitchers, but they had a bit of a resurgence with Houston. And I think it has something to do with kind of the spin rate and all the You're stats right. that are You're right. down there. Let's see Bundy's spin rate. Yeah, exactly. And so I think they can uh, improve Bundy, but more than that, I, and, and he said, like, there's good pitchers in the organization. Like, he used that word, good pitchers in the organization, speaking about the Orioles, all, like, right. in one sentence. Um, but I think, if, if I'm not correct, I mean, if, 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 I, if I'm correct, I think he's talking more about, I would imagine, lower minor, like, uh, D.L. Hall, uh, Grayson Rodriguez, Wells. some of the guys we have in the minors, um, as yeah. opposed to the majors. But I think Though, Bundy, Cobb. Yeah, and it, it also makes me, I don't know about Kyle because he's a bit older now, but certainly, but maybe, uh, it's certainly Bundy. It kind of makes me wish Gossman was still here. Um, to see what he could do. To see what he could do with Gossman. But, uh, but yeah, I didn't really think about that, but he is. I really do. I think he's going to improve the talent that we have here now. Um, right. And again, he's, he spoke about our talent like there was talent here. <laughs> like I, we talked about last week how we didn't have anyone in the top 100 and 10 yeah. of fan graphs of prospects. But the way he talked, he talked like they, there was some talent that we could work with. And maybe some of the reasons that we don't have anyone in the top 110 is because we don't have the developmental piece that maybe he feels like he can bring to improve the talent level that's there. No, you're right. And we talked a lot about how, like, who cares who the manager is? Manager doesn't matter at this point because you're going to lose. And I changed my mind today watching him because I, I still kind of don't care who the manager is. But I care an awful lot who the coaching staff is because he's going to reach out to these guys, manager, coaching staff, and bring in guys who not only are analytic guys who know how to read analytics, how to understand analytics, how to use analytics, but these guys are going to be guys who know how to talk to Kevin Galsman about his spin rate and show him the data. And that's going to be huge that not only you build an analytic department, but you build a coaching staff and manager staff that knows how to then translate the math into baseball. Yeah, yeah, I think that matters. And he was kind of dismissive of the question about what he's looking for in the managers at the analytics important. He's like, well, all managers take, in, in this day and age, take into account ad, ad, ad analytics, and which think, is true. Like, yes. even Buck Showalter did not, did not ignore that. But they also, I don't think Buck Showalter actively coached some right. of that stuff. Yes. And he's probably looking for a guy that's actively coaching that stuff. But I think I think also he's the type of guy who 
if you're a major league baseball manager that doesn't actively coach that stuff, you're not even in his radar as a as a guy you're interested in. So when you say there's lots of managers that take an analytics, it's all the ones that he would look at. He's not going to look at a old school guy for manager, you know? Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. He means all these so, up and coming guys. The exciting, yeah. the exciting areas. Yeah, and I, I saw an interesting um, I on on Stan's show over the weekend. Stan's bat around. Yeah, he, he had a friend of Sig Medjaz, the guy they're talking about bringing in, the former NASA scientist Sig Medjaz. Yeah, and 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 he said that Sig, when when he first got into it, he went to like single A to be a manager. I mean, to 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 be like a, a an assistant coach um, at at the single A team. So learning kind of how to interact with players, and so that goes like there's two sides of it, right? Like there's all the sabermetrics. And then there's like communicating with human individuals who have to utilize those sabermetrics. And so getting those two to meet, I think is what Mike Elias seems really good at. Like it seems like he's really good at communicating these ideas, laying out a kind of a shared vision and getting other people to pursue that vision. Something that I thought is just, I can't, I can't help but juxtapose it with Dan Duquette, who I thought was really bad at laying out a shared vision, right? It was hard to get behind his vision for the team. You're right. I thought Dan Duquette did a fine job, but as far as communicating that shared vision, he didn't do it very well. And Michael Elias, I think a lot of people are already on board. Now, Michael Elias hasn't embraced my hashtag costume at floor, but I think people are going to be on, like, I don't think it's going to be a tough sell to say for the next couple of years, let's start rebuilding this thing. Like, I don't think it's going to be a tough sell. I think the, uh, it's a pretty straightforward sell. That's not going to be that hard. Right. Now, right. if it goes four or five, six years, that's when it becomes a tough sell. Yeah, and I think it's because Mike Elias isn't selling the caution wet floor. He's doing more of the, like a caution wet floor, you throw that sign down when there's a mess and you're waiting for it to be dealt with. He's got the little construction, under construction signs out now. He's, he's yeah. getting to work. He's, he's got a plan. He's got a process. And it it's, should work. I think I've got confidence in him just from seeing him speak a little bit today and his uh, pedigree and past that it's going to work and yeah, it's not going like, to be next year just like when I go on Twitter and someone tweets at Elias Sports Bureau or says according to Elias we can trust that that information is true right and so just like when Mike Elias says according to, uh, whenever Mike Elias says something in my head I'm going okay according to the Elias the Orioles are, are going to be good again I believe it, it has to be true According to Elias, the Orioles are going to be one of the smartest organizations in all of baseball. Okay, I believe it because it's according to Elias, and Elias doesn't lie. Right. And you know what? I like according to Elias a whole lot better than this walk with Elias. I don't, under I don't understand the, the WWE reference. I know it's wrestling and some guy with a guitar. Uh, but I much prefer the according to Elias. Yeah, I don't really get the whole walk with Elias thing, too. He looks really ugly, too. I, I thought Mike Elias also, speaking of looks... I, I appreciate him sporting the orange tie. Well, I wondered but, about the orange tie. Why? Oh, is it Astros? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's probably a leftover Astros tie. You don't think he got a new tie when he got to Baltimore? You think he wore the old Astros I, tie? I think, I think he has a bunch of orange ties already from from Houston. You I think, think that he, was part of the decision-making process? He didn't have to go out and buy new ties? Right, change his wardrobe. Uh, yeah. Did you like the fact that he talked about growing up in Northern Virginia and going to Camden Yards, but he never he said that he was an Oriole fan. He never yeah. said he grew up an Oriole fan. 
So yeah, he must so have been. What do you take away from that? Uh, Red Sox or Yankee fan, like he's, everyone else in Northern Virginia before the Nats. He's our age, which shout out to people in their mid thirties. Right. He's yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, mid thirties. Yeah. Uh, uh, but but he's so at that time frame. Right. Um, so he we grew can up, relate to it. He he would have to be in Northern Virginia, most 90s, likely Yankee, late, possibly Red Sox, but most likely Yankee. Right. Late nineties, early two thousands as a uh, teenager. Derek Jeter, Manny Rivera, like yeah. that's that's he prime was, Yankee. He, he was a Yankee fan. Yeah, he definitely was. So just come on, own it, Michael Elias. You were a Yankee fan growing up. You know what? If he was an Oriole fan, Brady Anderson would have been at the press conference because that was prime Brady time. So Yeah, uh, uh, it's it's, going to be really interesting to see what happens to Brady Anderson. Um, Right, because he he had a higher role than he should have in the organization because of his relationship with the Angeloses. Yeah, and he didn't have a clearly defined role. And now the Orioles seem to be like saying, you're the general manager, you're in charge of, of baseball operations, and kind of clearing up who does what. Right. And clearly this guy's in charge, which means, like by definition, Brady Anderson has to be under him. Right. And I'm not sure that was the case with Dan Duquette. It was almost like side by they were side. years. Um, I, but, I, but, but now, clearly, Brady Anderson's under. And so I'm curious what happened with Brady. I would think that locker is, going, <laughs> is coming out. Yeah, yeah, I, think I, would, that's, think, uh, I would think you moved Brady yeah. out of the locker room. Yeah, well, but I also I, like how Michael Elias talked about having, and I don't remember other GMs talking about this, that he said wherever he's been, he's had a top five farm system, and he wants to have a top five farm system, an elite farm system. And I thought that was really cool too because that, um, that was not just said, a farm system, but an elite farm system. Yeah, that was his plan. He said the plan is simple. We're going to build an elite talent part. Yep. Top yeah. five farm system. And that's and a top five farm system. And that, right now we're about 25. So. <laughs> right. Uh, but a top five, that's how you change your organization for 20 years, is that farm system. Right. And how you continue to be good year after year. Right. Because our plan was always, with Dan Duquette, with the dumpster diving. Growing, growing by. Like, it was successful for a couple of years, but it was, we knew it at the time, right? We knew at some point these guys would leave and we would be left with nothing. It was not a sustainable Yeah, it was a window. Product. Yeah, it was a win, and that's why I talk all the time about the window. And it, and we were forced to do things maybe we didn't want to do because the window was closing, and we felt like we had to do things before the window closed. Hello, Andrew Castor. And so if we had more of a sustainable uh, organization, we wouldn't need to maybe make moves that we really shouldn't have made. Right. I, um, you're right, and it's we've heard it a lot over the past 10 10- plus years about like, you know, uh, grow the arms by the bats. And that's not Michael Elias' role or plan. His plan is grow, 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 grow everything, bring it all internal. And that's huge. I really liked, you talked about how he wasn't trashing those that came before him. No. And I almost almost felt like he was going to bring up Calvertkin Sr. and the Oriole way when he was saying this organization was once considered the smartest, most forward thinking, most progressive team in baseball. The, fact that was the case here before means it's possible to be the case here again. We are here to restore that reputation. That's what every Oriole fan wants to hear because we all remember the good times. We all remember yeah, I, when this team was something that people were proud of. Yeah, and I think actually in my head I went all the way back to the guy who always gets credit with being one of the first guys to adjust the lineup and, and, and just know off the top of his head the righties and lefties splits 
And that's Earl Weaver. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's going all the way back to Earl Weaver, how he was an innovative mind right. going all the way back there. But yeah, it's important to know. I think sometimes we forget that unlike other uh, baseball teams, like there's one just right down the road uh, who just lost Bryce Harper, they don't have the history, the rich history that the Orioles baseball team has. Yeah. And the Orioles do have a really a great rich history of great baseballs, great baseball in the 60s and 70s and 80s, all the way up into to, to oh. the 90s somewhat. I mean, that, I, always, I always think of that. Uh, 1989 Why Not video, and it starts with Frank Robinson teaching all the new young guys, this is the Oriole way. Yeah, with his hands down his pants. Yeah, exactly, with his his hands tucked in, yep. Yeah, exactly. And that's the exciting part, is to get back to that Oriole way. Part of what we loved about Buck Showalter was that he looked to the past like that. But here's a guy in the front office who says, hey, we're going to get back to that glory, and that's really is what we want. Yeah. If I can um, put one small negative spin on this. Okay. And this is all like, I don't even want to go negative because all of this is 100% positive. It's a good time to be a Royals fan right now because we're finally heading the right direction. All this is good. I still go back to though that (laughs) I don't know if the Orioles can win unless there's realignment, right? (laughs) Because... Because even uh, if, let's let's say Mike Elias does everything right, there's still GMs, you know, Cashman uh, with the Yankees and GM at Boston, who also have already established huge sabermetric departments. We've talked about all the stuff Zach Britton learned when he went to the Yankees. And on top of that, they can spend twice as much as we can. So we're starting from nothing. And even at our peak, we can only spend... Half of what they can. And by the way, I think we saw our salaries last year, our team salary, our team pay, payroll. I don't think it, I don't know if it's going to go that high again, even more competitive again, because that was when all our resources were invested into the team and, or into the players and into the, the, the specific payroll, like player salaries. Yes. Now that, now that money's going to be spread out with the, with international and sabermetrics and, more scouts, no, I think that money's going to be more spread out. Yeah, and I, I hear what you're saying, and you were making this argument, I think it was Sunday when we were watching the Ravens game, you were making this Yeah, argument. like, does this mean we will ever be competitive again? Like, we still have the Yankees and Red Sox, and we're and, still a smart market team. How do we get around that? Right, and I believe that realignment's coming. I believe it'll be here in five years, so I think... <laughs> That's what we're banking on here. No, I'm not banking on it, but I think that the timing's right, that realignment's going to happen, because they're going to want to add teams to baseball, and when you do that, you realign. Um... But I also believe that you're right. All these other teams have had starts in building their analytics. But I feel after today, we're not starting from scratch. We're bringing in guys who have done this before. And we're bringing in a guy who was very much, if not, he wasn't the creator of this, but he's a 35-year-old guy who's been on the front lines of this, who's seen it from from start to finish, to completion, and winning a World Series that has the right connections to build this a lot better. It's not like we're trying to build a, a business from, from scratch. We're bringing right. in experts who have done this before. Right. Can I say, I'm, I'm 30, I, I turn 35 next month. He looks older. He looks older than 35. Did you think that? Like, I thought I this is a man who doesn't thought. look 35. I had the same thought. but I would guess 45 if but, I just saw. Yes. But I think that's just the, the suit, the tie, and the hair. 
But I, I yeah. see guys all the time that are younger than me that I think are older than me. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do too. So yeah, I think sometimes it's just, I think some of my students are older than me. Yeah, I think it's just the fact that we forget how old we are. Yeah. But I did tell Mandy, I said, I'm excited about this guy when they signed when the news got out last week. I said, but it also depresses me. And she asked why, and I said, because he is 35 years old running the Baltimore Orioles, and here I am at 38 years old <laughs> doing a <laughs> podcast. Yeah, that is kind of depressing. Thank you for bringing that up. But it, as far as age goes, I do feel like no knock on old people and no knock on young people. I feel like this is a pretty good age to be in it, right? As far as like my own professional career as a teacher, it's a I feel like now, A, I have the most energy. I have a lot of energy. I, can, I don't need as much sleep as I did back in the day. B, like I've been doing this for a while now. So I can like, I feel like I'm really good at it. And so I can just, I feel like I, I am as good as a teacher as I've ever been right now and I can crush it. And I don't know how much longer I can crush it like this because it'll probably go downhill at some point. And so I feel like 36 is, a, is an age where you're still young enough, where you have all this energy, but you're also like, you've been in the game, you know, for what, 15 years now. So you're also a bit of a veteran, like you've seen a lot of stuff. So I feel like it's actually a really good age. Yeah. Or, uh, this could be just me making stuff up at this point. I don't know. I think, I think it's, I think, I don't want to overanalyze the age here, but I think it's a good age to, to get I mean, your first job. I, I like we always talk about, I think, that we, we talk about how we want a young guy in to bring some excitement, to bring a new look. And this is a young guy, but who has the experience of a veteran. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And again, thir- 35 is young, but then I think of yourself at 38, my stuff at 34. And I feel like I have a, we have a lot of experience in our professions. Like, we wouldn't call ourselves in either of our professions, like, newbies or not know what we're doing like at, at, at by mid-30s if you've been in the same profession since you were you know out of college you're pretty good at it by this point right 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 sure um someone on facebook mentioned the paxton trade that just went down before we got on the air i don't know if you, if you saw this yeah from uh, the Josh. mariners the, yeah they, james paxton who's three a really guys. Pitcher, was traded for justice sheffield was the main piece and then two other guys Right. Justice Sheffield used to be a big prospect for the Yankees, but I think he's he's dropped down a little bit in their um, in their perception or something. Um, but I look at all deals like this as I mean, clearly it's going to make the Yankees better. I know Paxton has a history of injuries, so it's going to a lot depend on how healthy can Paxton play. But he's signed for the next two years. I look at all these deals as just pluses for the Orioles because the Orioles aren't going to be competitive in the next two years. So if they're going to trade away prospects. For guys who are only going to be there for a year or two years, I look that I look at that as a win for the Orioles because they lost out on a couple of prospects, and we're not going to be competitive for the next two years anyway. So Yankees, Red Sox, make as many trades as you possibly can for guys who are only on one or two years deals, and so you get rid of your prospects, and we're going to lose anyway, so it doesn't matter to us. So I'm all about the Paxton trade. Let's keep these trades coming. Yeah, and that's my thought is I don't care because it's not going to really impact us right now. Yeah, and hopefully, I hope Justice Sheffield turns out to be a stud pitcher and we don't have to face him all the time in the alias. Right. So the other question that got asked today during the uh, press conference that wasn't really handled was they asked, how about this Masson dispute? And and oh yeah 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 yeah. And I said, well, especially oh, yeah. based on the news this week, and that got me because I didn't know there was any news this week. Were you familiar? Oh with yeah, that? yeah. So this week, I guess the Orioles and Nationals both had to like 
present their side of the uh, argument to the Revenue Sharing Committee, which is the Brewers chairman, the Seattle Mariners president, and the Blue Jays president. So they, I guess, did that for a couple days last week, and now December 14th is when some, like, written statements will come back or decisions. So maybe we'll get, finally get to the end of this thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a total – every time I hear about it, I, mean, I hear someone explain it to me again, it's just a total screw job by baseball and the Nationals on the Orioles. Yes, trying, trying to forget about the promise they made in 2005. Yeah, and now we're at the point, and it's kind of ugly – but like the Nationals, I hate to say it, are the more kind of viable and sustainable at this point organization than the Orioles are. So they, they moved him against our will. They, they moved him here, right? And we said, fine, you know, since you're gonna move him anyway, right. at least give us a portion of their mask because they're stealing so much money from us, right? Damages are through the roof because right. they're right next door, they're stealing our fans. It's why Camden Yards isn't packed anymore. Yeah, and so instead of asking them to pay like $200, $400 million in damages, we said, okay, just give us, you know, $10 million every year from the Masson deal. Now all of a sudden, they don't like it, and they're they're taking it back. And and on top of all this, like they refuse to give us all-star games, but they give all-star games to the Nationals. It's such a just old-fashioned screw job by baseball against Peter Angelos, and it pisses me off. Yeah, the whole time it's baseball acting like the Orioles are the bad guys, and the base and baseball doing whatever they can do to promote Bryce Harper and the Nationals through this time period. Right. Yeah, and it's the whole buddy buddy system at the owners that yes. Peter Angelos wasn't trying to play with it with yeah. them. Like that. Just like a, a the old gentleman's club that uh, Peter Angelos wasn't about it. Um, it. It ticks me off. But but John Angelos was asked for about it. And I was surprised that John Angelo said it will make no, it will, the Masson, uh, the result of the Masson dispute will have no impact on the resources that uh, Elias has at his disposal. But that can't be true, right? We're talking about like $200 million. That's going to have some kind of impact. I don't see how that cannot have an impact on, on Elias's resources. Right. It's got to have an impact. But John said it doesn't. Really, yeah, John can say it doesn't, but... It does, and not only does it have an impact on your bottom line like that, it's got an impact as far as all-star game, national games, attention that Major League Baseball brings to Camden Yards and the Orioles, which brings dollars into your pocket. Yeah. But I heard Masson rates are down big time anyway. Ratings? Is that true? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I imagine... Like, people team... haven't left cable and stuff, like, people cutting the cord and all well, that stuff. All right, here's, what, here's what's irritating me. I, uh... I, I am in the process of cutting the cord. I'm getting tired of paying for cable. All right. Welcome to the club. So time. I, I cut my cable this week. So I, oh, you did? I, I did. I went to... That's the only way to watch Orioles games, Josh, though. You I know went, that, right? Yeah, I know. It's, uh, I went to a locals-only package, which gives me like five channels or something. Let's me watch like ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox. But Masson and not Masson? No, no Masson. Oh, my. So I was looking into this, and... It's still the fact that Masson is the only baseball channel that you cannot stream on the internet or is through the MLB true? network. Masson is the only one that is not allowed in market. But black, are you telling me there's no blackouts for other places? Exactly. Every, really? A couple of years ago, Major League Baseball made an initiative with all the teams to make it that, hey, this is the future. People are cutting the cord. We want them to be able to use their Apple TVs, PlayStations, whatever, to watch baseball games. 
So they got rid of blackouts everywhere. And they had to strike deals with the Yes Network and uh, whatever the Boston Network is. They had to make deals with every single network. Uh, the only one right now that's still fighting it is Masson. Yeah. I would pay good money just to watch Oriole games on Masson.com. Me too. And that's my hope. My hope is that I cut cable today and that they make the deal before uh, April. Yeah. Because it is. Are you going to get cable back? Because I'm not coming over to the show and not watch. That's like my chance to watch the game. I know. Other than that, I'm a radio guy. I know. And I don't think, I don't think you can be a radio guy. I'm not a radio guy. I cannot be a radio guy. I, I do not be a radio guy. So I'll have to figure that out in April. But I figured I'm going to save some money. I cut my cable bill and it was more than $100 a month. I'll pay good yeah. money if you just give me the Oriole games. Yeah. It's true. I mean, it just financially makes sense to do the you can do the Netflix, the Hulu, all that stuff. It's cheaper than just doing that's, the whole cable. That's why thing. I cut it. I was the only person in my family that was watching TV. Everyone else does Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hulu. Yeah. And I am the old guy that, that still turns on ESPN and CNN and Fox News and all that. Well, again, I get all those, too, without cable. Um, what are well, you, you jumping I'm on not, someone? I'll, I'll stop, never mind. We'll stop talking. Then we'll stop talking. Hey, don't worry. This weekend, I wanted to watch some news, and I got someone's password. Okay. So I hope I'm, it's not I'm the right. same person I get my password from because that's it, it's, probably, it's probably the same person. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, You're uh, gonna clog up the system. I, I've trashed millennials for years because it's a total millennial move. It is. But I got tired of paying my cable bill. Well, yeah. I was cutting cable before. It's cool to cut cable. I think on the record is that. Um, Millennials, right, I think, we, never cut cable because they just never got cable. They just kept using oh, yeah, their mommy's cable. Because they grew up on mommy's Netflix. Yeah, they still have mommy's cell phone plan. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think that we covered Michael Elias, right? I, I think there's uh, – I'm curious to see how the next couple of weeks go, right? What happens to Brady Anderson? What happens right. to Brian Graham? What happens to our boy Trent Norton, friend of the show? Yep. Like what happens to all these guys? And, and does he make any immediate – oh, and tomorrow, uh, I, I believe the date's tomorrow I where think, he has to have the 40-man for the Rule 5 draft. I, I think it was – was it Wednesday? I feel like it was right before Thanksgiving. I'm pretty sure it's tomorrow. Um, and so there's a couple guys not on there. I think the biggest name not on there is Dylan Tate. Uh, but our 40-man is full, so I'd be curious to see if anyone gets knocked off the 40-man right. to make room for Dylan Tate. We'll see what they think right, of Dylan I'm Tate. I'm sure Elias probably has already been looking through that list on the flight over or something or – because yeah, they if they got to put that in tomorrow, that that's that'll be something to look for. Yeah, do we know how much Elias likes Rule Five guys? Uh, that that question was not asked. Is he going to make room for some Rule Five picks? I I, I don't know. It's interesting because if you're rebuilding the farm, if you're talking about down the road, if this year doesn't really matter, then maybe you have more room for Rule Five guys. Of course, yeah. we did carry three last year. And that didn't work out, right? I don't no. think we're going to do that again. No. We only kept two of them. And one of them, Pedro Rojo, still has to pitch in like uh, right. 25 games or something because uh, he, he missed so much. Um, but, I mean, Mike Elias, again, was in charge of scouting for the Astros. So he has a good idea of who is out there in the minor league systems. So it's not like he has to look at this Rule 5 list think? and all these names are new for him. He knows exactly who's out there. And so I'm sure he already has in his mind if there's any real five guys he wants that's going to fit his system. I'm sure he already hey, has. Hey, if, if you were Mike Elias and you knew you were leaving Houston and going to go work for the Orioles before yeah. you went to uh, 
before you went and let the Houston management know you were leaving, do you think you'd take a look at that 40-man one more time and say, you know what, we don't need to protect this guy from the Rule 5 draft and just leave him out there? It'll be I interesting saw, uh, to see if the Orioles Rule 5 draft brings someone from the Houston organization is all I'm saying. Oh, yeah, it would be interesting to see because he would know the guy. So maybe ha- there could be like a guy that he he always liked a lot. Right. right. That, that, oh, look, they're, ha- they're not able to keep this guy. I'm going to bring him in. Yeah. I mean, usually the guys who we bring in are are usually from good organizations, right? Because right. they just can't protect all their good players. Right. So a uh, top rarely farm do system should. Players. Uh, I don't know if that's ever happened. We've we've lost minor league guys, like the minor league portion of the Rule Five. Yes, but I can't remember losing a uh, a, a guy league. who went to the majors. Right, I mean, right. The major league part. Yeah, but that that should be that should be apparently there's a lot of good players from Tampa. So it's, it's just some interesting to watch that. But that's not till December, the winter meetings and the and the Rule Five. Yeah, there. so we and have a little time for that. Right, right. But it'll be interesting to see th- that. Do I guess well? I guess we can see the forty man that he submits on MLB.com or whatever before December. Oh yeah, so like that, tomorrow yeah, if they take someone it's be, off, it's got to be posted. It's got to be public because they got to go through waivers and all that stuff. Right, right. So then I guess the big news: we're not going to have any news for a couple of days because of Thanksgiving. Like they're not gonna, after the roll, the the after the, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah the forty man tomorrow. But I yeah. think it'll be interesting to look at what type of Christmas gifts the Orioles are getting in December as far as staff members. Like, at what point is uh, this SIG guy coming into Baltimore and, and checking things out? Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's what you – I mean, because you're not looking forward to signing. I don't anticipate them signing any free agents. <laughs> like, no one, no, right? No. No free agents I, I don't anticipate. No, it's uh-huh. it's – it's it's announcements of guys leaving other organizations to come to Baltimore. That's what we're going to see over the next two months, and that's what's going to be fun. Not seeing players that are signed, but seeing uh, analytics guru from St. Louis come over or something, you know? Yeah, as he built his team. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be curious to see um, as he built his team what, what that looks like. And, and if there's man- any manager, coaches, all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because that's the next kind of stuff to happen. Uh, over the next couple of months, I think, yeah, that definitely will happen. All right, are we ready to get some some Ravens talk? Sure, sure. Uh, where do you want to start? You want to start with Lamar? You want to Lamar start? Jackson? I want to. I want to get into. I also want to get in. Yeah, I also want to get into the the post game locker room celebration by John Harbaugh. Good. The good. The good. The good. Because as cool as it is, it's also very irritating. So I want to get to that. But let's start with Lamar. I tweeted out that Lamar was making his first appearance as a Raven, even though it was really just his first start. He's already made a bunch of appearances. <laughs> yes. Good. Exactly. <laughs> right. My Almost every tweet I send out has at least one typo. Good. Right. I wanted to see him from like three weeks ago. Justin Tucker missed the field goal where we could have won the game. Good. Good. <laughs> I don't understand. That's exactly what's wrong with that, that post game. It's, it's cool. That post game, we'll just start with that. It showed me that uh, – John Harbaugh has not lost the locker room, but it also showed because the guys were behind it. And I know that I'm also picking at it where they must have had a speaker come in the day before who talked about, like, you know, coming back from failure and stuff. Yeah, and, and was, turning adversity into a positive. Right. So I, I get all that. But it, you got to also admit it's a, it's a bad look to say, uh, we lined up wrong on fourth and one. Good. <laughs> so – 
I, I mean, I, I don't think it's a bad look at all. I think with mistakes, like they're trying, it's not like, uh, I mean, they're, 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 mistakes happen in football all the time, right? And so would you rather them kind of wallow in their mistakes and, and beat themselves up about it? Or would you rather them say, hey, listen, we made mistakes, we overcame those mistakes. Um, and I, I kind of like the attitude that they own their mistakes, uh, they embrace their mistakes, they don't get themselves down about it. Um, clearly, they're not celebrating mistakes. Clearly, they're going to try to clean it up and be better next week. But there's no point on like just right. kicking yourself while you're down. Exactly. So, so make the most of it. I get, so the, I, I get I like it. I get the point. I get it. Um, John Harbaugh, of course, was asked about it today after after people got. I think because people got excited and said, "Hold on, wait a second. You're saying all this bad stuff and saying good." Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, how does that compare to some of the more Post-game uh, victory. Oh, that's your boy, isn't it? I know you use the word "good" at least eight times. I lost fast. <laughs> uh, I don't know who that is. Motivation it was good. Good. Uh, no, that's a uh, that's a message that we had the night before that we shared with the guys. We can put it out if you guys want. Uh, we should put it out on the website. Yeah, the, the former soldier named Jack. Yeah. and Leif Babin, and. Uh, uh, a book they wrote about their time in Ramadi, the two Navy SEALs that were uh, uh, leading a, uh, uh, a Navy SEAL Special Forces group in Ramadi during the surge, and uh, they're, they're kind of their, uh, their mindset, you know, to adversity, and uh, it's awesome. It's awesome. And our guys, uh, I don't know, man, it's just, it's us. I told them that's us. Watch this. This is us. This is us, okay? You want to be a proud Raven fan? You know, you want to you be a real Raven fan? You should be proud of that, you know? Um, but we should put that out. I think it'd be awesome to get some background for everybody where that's coming from. It was fun. But I, I do think it's something that it is fun. And I don't know why there's not uh, Raven shirts out there yet that just say good on it. Well, it's only been a day. Get, I know, but time. people normally get into that like 15 minutes later. But I think this is definitely going to be a rallying crowd you'll hear around the stadium and around. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's great, right? When we're watching uh, – the game and Lamar throws another interception, which if he yeah. starts again, he inevitably will. How, we can say, good, let's go. How, good. How fun would it be? At, as the uh, Lamar will probably start next Sunday with the Raiders and he'll, he'll screw up, but how fun would it be to hear a nice good chant in, in the stadium? Yeah, when he makes a mistake. Whenever, whenever <laughs> right. When the Raiders score, just good. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I that, love that, it. That, that, not only, you know what, I'm all sold. That would totally get in the head of the other team. If, if you're the Raiders, you score, and the Raven fans are cheering good, that messes yeah. with you. Yeah. So what was your um, – would you call Lamar Jackson good, Josh? Like what was your expectation going in? And, and, and um, I guess did, did anything change after watching him play? That's the question. Did anything change? Uh, we went into – we had this discussion last week. We had this – I had this discussion every week. I got in the argument with someone on, on Twitter that I thought – I think – that I was shocked that it wasn't RG3 starting the game. That uh, you would think RG3 gives you the better shot to win. Uh, did I learn Especially anything? Especially when that news story broke about Lamar Jackson being sick hospital. on Thursday yeah. and missing practice. So I thought, oh, maybe that means RG3 will get the start. Right, but, right. But they stuck with their boy, Lamar. Yeah, and uh, they squeaked by. I think... Uh, they they I, won. They Josh, won. They won. They, won. they hadn't done it in a month and they won. All right, all right. I, I, I like I like Lamar. Lamar adds excitement to the Josh. game. But, okay. but 
there's a lot of people getting on this type train of uh, forget Joe. Lamar just Wally pipped him. Lamar's the guy. Lamar, Lamar, Lamar. Lamar's fun to watch. What Lamar did on Sunday will not beat a lot of teams. It'll beat the Bengals. It'll beat the Raiders. It will not beat a lot of teams. And people look and say, I saw, I had someone on Facebook send me, look, uh, Lamar went 14 and 19, 200 yards against the, uh, against the Bengals. And clearly he's better guy than, than Joe. And my response was the, the, did you look at the last game the Ravens played the Bengals? Joe went like 400 yards. He had an unbelievable game against the Bengals. The Bengals defense sucks. The Ravens won yesterday by what? Three points? Yeah. And that's because the Bengals missed a field goal. They the the Ravens held on to the ball like 18 more minutes than the Bengals. But they only could win by three points. Oh, it was like like 12 more minutes, yeah. I think it was like 18. It was a lot. Oh, 18. Oh, I think it's an 8. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like eight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was ridiculous. But they only scored three more points than the team. And uh, so we've got issues still. And you're not going to tell me Joe would have lost that game. Joe would have won that game as well. Uh, the way the Bengals play, RG3 would have won that game. Uh, the Raiders are coming to town next week. And it doesn't matter who's out of, back at quarterback. The Ravens are going to win that game. So I didn't learn much from Lamar. I had a lot of questions about Lamar and his readiness. And the Ravens didn't show me anything. In one way, they might have showed me uh, that I am correct that Lamar is not ready to be a passer in the game plan that they ran to let Lamar keep running the ball. To go an entire drive without Lamar ever looking to pass the ball. Let alone pass the ball. He never looked downfield to pass the ball, which means the the plays were never called to pass. Um, you've got Willie Sneed and uh, who was the other receiver? Crabtree. Crabtree yelling at John Harbaugh because they want opportunities to play too because the plays are being designed to not even consider throwing the ball. If there's anything, that taught me that my concerns of Lamar throwing the ball are correct. How about you? Did you learn anything? Yeah, I did actually, and I, 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 I thought Lamar played a lot better than I thought he would, and that sounds like a compliment, but not really, because I just thought he'd be even worse. <laughs> I didn't. Think, but I, yes, before the game, I didn't think he'd be able to beat the Bengals. But I thought he made a lot of throws, uh, and you're right. He ran like 27 times, which is not sustainable at all. It's the most I, a quarterback has ran since 1954. Yeah, um, it's not sustainable at all. However, uh, one would presume that he would improve upon his, his play from this point forward. Also, I think the fact that the Bengals' defense was so bad allowed him to take advantage of that by running, and yes. I don't think other teams will let him. Like, there was a couple times where he just did a draw right up the middle. Like, what are you doing, Bengals, not putting a, a spy right in the middle? Right. Single coverage every receiver and just put a spy linebacker in the middle. Like, that seemed like common sense to me that they didn't do. And, like, he was always able to do this draw cut whenever he wanted to. Right. So I think a better football team won't let him run as much, A. Uh, B, I thought, I thought he, he actually had a couple of times where he was looking to pass, and he did pass the ball pretty well. Um, oh, outside I, the I, interception. Outside the interception, yeah. I, I thought he passed the ball better than I thought he would. 
Uh, and maybe that's just because the only time I ever threw him for some. Just I, I just always had this vision of him throwing the ball ten yards too short to Willie Sneed. Yeah. And that's my vision as a quarterback. But I, also, but I, I thought I, thought I also, did a lot better than yeah. I thought. Yeah. I, 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 can, I can see that, but that was also because you, you got really, really, really low expectations. Um, yeah, well, no, and it's not just because Lamar. I'm not just beat up on Lamar. Just look at the league. Rookie quarterbacks yes. are not successful. It's really hard. It's a big adjustment from college to the NFL. And I, Lamar might be, and I think he has the potential to be a really good quarterback. He does things that no one else can do on the football field. He was breaking guys' ankles yes. left and right. If he can just improve the throwing game he could be a real special guy and he very well may be but but very few quarterbacks are special right out of college i totally agree his legs are a weapon and they're and it's impressive when he runs uh but he made some stu- a few kind of stupid decisions that okay i'll roll that off as that's rookie decisions yeah. but i'll also look at some weird mechanical stuff like the sidearm throw throws that he's making and some throws that were off target that Chris Moore made an un- unbelievable catch. Willie Sneed at one point had to do like a sliding catch where the receivers helped kind of helped bail him out. Uh, but he did enough to win. He did not yeah. do enough to replace Joe, a healthy Joe at this point. No, absolutely not. But the Bengals are not like, and I feel like you're sleeping on the Bengals a little bit. Like they're, they're not a joke of a franchise. All of these, I mean, we lost yes, the are. Browns with Joe Flacco, and I would say the Bengals are better than the Browns. I know they didn't have A.J. Green. A.J. Green's it, a big difference. But still, it's a divisional game. These games are always close. I don't think we're winning by, by three touchdowns if Joe Flacco is the quarterback. I think we're still in for a close game with Joe, with Joe, with Joe Flacco. So, and, I, and also, to, to, to again, to Lamar's credit, and again, like all things being equal, I want Joe Flacco as my quarterback right now, not Lamar. But... To Lamar's credit, I felt like the whole team kind of had a bit of a pep in their steps yes. playing with Lamar. I thought it did not convince me to replace Joe, but it did convince me that, okay, maybe you do string a few Lamar drives uh, along where you put Lamar out there and and maybe do a little more two-quarterbacks type stuff. I'm okay with that um, as long as it's not totally breaking the rhythm of Joe. Do we have any update on, on next week at this point? We, or is this still going to be like a wait and see how Joe feels? It's a wait and see, but it sounded like all uh, initial hints have been that Lamar will start next week. There was talk even before the game that it, so- it sounded like Joe's injury was two weeks out. If I'm the Ravens, I'm going to, to Joe and I'm saying, hey, it's, it's the Raiders. We'll be okay. It's the Raiders in Baltimore. I don't know. I mean, they, they, they put up a good game against Arizona last week. Again, I know Arizona's not, 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 okay. not a good team. Right. And but this was... is the NFL. There's no, like, easy, I, I easy wins, I feel oh, like. Oh, I agree. I agree. And I think our defense has shown issues. But I would say, uh, Joe, maybe you let Joe be the backup on Sunday and you make him active, but you leave him on the bench. But I kind of feel like you rest him and you tell Joe, get ready for Atlanta because that's going to be a, a, another – Atlanta's not a great team, but they're better than the Raiders. They're better than the, the Bengals, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, they absolutely are. But the Raiders game is a must-win at this point. Like, they're all kind of must-wins, right? Especially if you look at sure. who we have upcoming. Like, you need if, – if you still think – and you still do have – mathematically, you still have a chance of the playoffs – 
for that to happen. You're in the driver's seat right now for the playoffs. You've got the wild card. You've got the wild card. Now, I know, but if you look at the Colts' schedule compared to our schedule, the Colts have to watch their schedule. And the Colts are playing Uh, really good football. They're playing great football, yeah. So, I mean, we still have Kansas City. We still have the L.A. Chargers. And we still have Atlanta. Those are three tough right. games. If we lose all of them, uh, we, we, we go to eight losses and we're not making the playoffs. You're right. So we got to win. We got to win against Oakland. Yes. We got to win against Cleveland. And we, and we got to win against Tampa Bay. And I think we got to take at least, at least one, if not two, of the games between Atlanta, Kansas City, and Chargers. I agree. I think you add Falcons to that must-win list right there as well. And that takes care of it. If you can beat Atlanta, okay. Tampa, and Oakland, you're good. If you beat all the teams, you should be. Yeah, yeah, and then you can lose to Kansas City, and it's not the end of the world. Right, losing to Kansas City, losing to L.A., it's not the end of the world. All the other as long teams, as you lose your only two losses. Right, all the other teams you have to win. Those are the teams you're supposed to beat. Uh, and then it's those like, are the teams, Those are the teams that if you beat those teams, not only are you in the playoffs, I kind of look and say, okay, maybe things can click together. Yeah, but, but I mean, even then, you're just not, if you lose to the Chargers and Chiefs and beat everybody else, you're still just 9-7. and seven. So you're still hoping the Colts help you out a little bit to make the, the playoffs. Sure, sure. But 9-7, and seven, his history has shown, has been pretty good at getting into the playoffs. And the AFC is a little bit down this year, yeah. but yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's a, we'll see. Somehow the Steelers won yesterday, which is obnoxious. Yep. In like eight minutes, three touchdowns, something like that. It's stupid, yeah. Um, all right, yeah. So, so we'll see. I, I, uh, I, Outside of me being kind of skeptical if Lamar helps you win this year, I'm excited for the future with Lamar Jackson. And I really like watching him run around out there. I enjoyed fighting. I, yeah, I enjoyed when he made the good plays. I don't. He broke people back. I, I didn't see anything that excited me about the future of Lamar. Oh, I really? Saw I did. That was fun to watch. But I saw stuff that's not sustainable. And I saw stuff that in the future Lamar could get really hurt and not be the future of this team. And I didn't see a team out there that could be the future way this organization's ran. So I didn't get excited for the future. I thought Lamar was fun. Oh, I, see, I got excited from the standpoint of I felt like Lamar was the best best athlete on the field. And he I was. never really saw him shoot people like that before. And if he can work on the throwing thing, which I think he can, I, I think he has a chance to be really special. Yeah, so I'm, I'm excited I, for watching him in the future. Yes. I, he, watching him and the way his feet moved reminded me a lot of Michael Vick. And not uh, as a better better guy with his footwork than Russell Wilson, than RG3, than all these other guys we've always compared to Michael Vick. Yeah, uh, yeah. He seemed like the much better. He's quicker passing than this guy. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, if you can get the passing done, it'll be a really fun team to watch. Yeah, but I agree with you. Well, I mean, we wiped the 27 rush is not sustainable. Um, so we'll see. If he gets another chance at the Raiders, uh, we'll see if he... Makes him step forward. But again, he's a rookie. There's going to be struggles, and that's okay. Right. All right, let's get out of here. It's an exciting week for Baltimore sports fans. i tell you what, Lamar Jackson, that quarterback, and even bigger news, Mike Elias, uh, uh, according to Elias, in charge of the Orioles now. Some good things are happening. Good things are happening. We just got to start winning some more games, and we'll be good. Yeah. It makes me consider maybe this is the year to go back down to Sarasota. See what's going on new and how things are ran a little differently with Elias. Hey, and this will give um, Section 36ers a real 
kind of insight into Josh's mindset. So Josh is all about who's the next cool jersey I can buy. Josh, have you considered getting Lamar Jackson's jersey yet? No, but did you see? I yeah, that's that all you need to know. That's no, no. all you need to know how Josh feels about Lamar Jackson. No, 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 he was no, no, ready to get Tavon Young jersey last year, but now doesn't want anything to do with Lamar Jackson's jersey. Oh, I'm still a Tavon Young fan. All right, all right, no. But I did go into Fortnite and change my Fortnite character to Lamar Jackson. Okay. Because you can wear you can wear Raven jerseys. And I was wearing number 52, and now I changed it to number 8. Good. So I'm, I'm did, down with Lamar. Did you floss with him? Uh, I don't do the dances. Okay. So I just play with the kids. That, that, sounds, that sounds. All right, that sounds good. Good for you, Josh. Go ahead and just play with the kids. Uh-huh. My own kids. Not strangers. Yeah. Good for you. All right, boys and girls, thanks for listening. Uh, you can tweet at us. Yeah, you come on. Argue, argue with me about Lamar. Yeah, tell Josh, like, what are you doing, dude, having your own podcast, you moron? You can also tweet at Bert and say, hey, Bert, when are you coming back on the podcast? Because we miss having Bert on here. Hey, you I, know what? I, I yeah. want, we always go at this point and we say, hey, tell people about the show. Yeah, Spread tell people about the show. I, the word. I, I, I don't care if you tell your friends anymore. Now, when okay. you're listening to Section 336, I want you to tell the Orioles. Keep tagging the Orioles because we want Mike, Mike Elias to think that we matter. Yeah, show so we Orioles, get them on the show. Yeah, show the Orioles that Section 336 matters. That uh, he needs to bring his uh, get us some attention. Forget all this mass and no one cares what Rock says. You care what Section 336 says. Yeah, I got some questions to ask Mike, so we need to get him on the show at some point. Questions from Mike, all right. All right, boys and girls, you can follow us on Twitter. Tweet at the, uh, you know, just, just at Section 336 Show is the Twitter show. Uh, we're also on Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow me on Twitter at Section 336 and follow Josh on Twitter. At Josh Soroka. Thanks for listening, boys and girls. And as always, go Ravens. And good job, Orioles. Thank you for listening to the Section 336 podcast. Please go to iTunes and Facebook for all complaints or the occasional compliment. If I were you, I would not take any baseball advice from these guys. Josh and Matt were raised by an Orioles-obsessed father, and Bert, uh, well, Bert fell in love with Don Mattingly. He has a thing for mustaches.